FIG Ministry presents the Catholic Influencers Podcast. Join me, Alyssa Aegis, and my co-hosts, Father Rob Gallia and Justine Cumbo, as we break open the upcoming Sunday Mass readings and discuss relevant topics and life issues from a Catholic perspective. For a shorter, more reflective explanation of the Sunday Mass readings, be sure to check out our sister podcast, Catholic Influencers, Father Rob Gallia Homilies. Well, hello everyone. Hola. Welcome hey. to episode nine. We're powering through this season. We there we are. No, it's it's been really good. But I'm challenged by these the second reading. The the gospels <laughs> somehow was, was so much easier. I know. Seriously, guys, I sat silently <laughs> through last week's discussion. <laughs> I am very challenged. But this week we're even more prepared. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to talk about today. Very but exciting. This is so good, but I'm, I'm learning so much. And over yeah. the last few weeks, we're talking, I think it is so challenging because it is, it's not practical in many ways. It's transcendent in so many yes. ways. It's heavenly in so many ways and so unknown. But at the same time, it's so exciting once you actually start to understand what, uh, for example, John is talking about in the book of Revelation. Yeah. So here's a topic, <laughs> always interesting a topic. <laughs> tell me, tell me, your do you have a favorite movie, like some a movie that you watch when you uh, have nothing else to watch? <gasps> yes, I do, and I just watched it a few weeks ago. <laughs> yes, it's Meet the Parents. Meet the and Parents. Still are in it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my it. favorite scene is at the end when he's everything's gone wrong and he's gone home and he's um, taking his bag on the plane and the. <laughs> The yeah. flight attendant's telling him to get on. Yes, yes. Um, and she's like, you can't come in now, but there's no one there. <laughs> Sorry, just so funny. And then he's like, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I, was just I have just no idea what you're talking about. I've never watched the movie either, but I'm happy for if you, If anyone Alyssa. has seen <laughs> please let me know and we can talk about it. Okay. Justine, what's your favourite? Mine is definitely Sister Act 2. Yes. Oh, wow. And the okay. end, you know, that joyful, joyful. And you yeah. thought it was like going to be a flop, but then they win and, yeah. you know, the underdogs take it out. And, uh, yeah, wow. just it's, it's many happy memories. Good. M- mine is... The Pink Panther series, there's one, two, I and three, but the new ones, the new ones, the I mean, the new ones are like ten years old now. I don't know. I can quote the entire movie <laughs> <laughs> like Alyssa can. And then also Anchorman, yeah, Anchorman. That's uh, that's yeah. another one that I I watch <laughs> when I have nothing else to watch or I'm cooking. I put that in the background and I'm laughing like while I'm cooking Just or something. Just feel good stuff. Yeah. So they're all they all seem to be like comedies, light movies. They're the it's best. So, good. so I always say to my husband, I'm like, let's see, what do you want to watch? Something funny. Yes, yeah. me too. Because when you're tired Funnies. at the end of the day, you don't feel like watching something yeah. that makes you think. Yes. I just want a stupid laugh at <laughs> dumb <laughs> things. Yeah. That's how I relax. But things that <laughs> used to make me laugh don't make me laugh today. For example, Mr. Bean, for example. I used to love it when really? I was young. Now it gets me nervous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. I just get it. I don't have patience for Mr. Bean anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So uh, uh, that's what I'm learning. And let's hear from our our (laughs) sponsors. This Catholic Influencers podcast is sponsored by Modern Grace. Modern Grace is a unique online Catholic gift store with a beautiful faith-inspired collection of gifts and homewares to bring into your life and to share with your family, friends, and faith-filled community. Stocking everything from liturgical planners, rosaries, inspiring reads, sacramental gifts, Catholic homewares, a children's collection of toys, wraps and teethers, and FRG ministry merchandise and more. 
Modern Grace introduces Catholic gifts which add value to your faith life for any occasion. Discounts available for stocking church piety stores, conferences and events. Just contact us online for more information. So check out their range at moderngrace.com.au and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks to Modern Grace. We are going to jump straight into our second reading for this week. This actually comes from the book of Apocalypse or the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power for ever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. How many do you think, how many people do you think today during Mass, during the second reason, reading, people are going to say Amen before? Yeah. <laughs> glory and power forever and ever. It's just and the people said, yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> It's just so like habitual. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> but this is such a powerful reading. It's uh, just the, the uh, just always the transcendence, the beautiful scene that we're given here of heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, the revelation that John had is sort of he's put his head above the clouds and he's seeing he's seeing Christ's victory. So Christ has died on the cross and now he's walking victoriously. He's in heaven and he's unfolding the way people, the, uh, heaven has responded to the death and resurrection of Christ. And now they're there with all the angels and all the saints, multitudes of people, multitudes of martyrs, multitudes of, of saints. And as they're there, they're just crying and they're acknowledging, they're worshiping God. So there are two things that we could do to worship God. One is to worship God for who God is. And that's the, when the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. There's nothing about what he did, but here they're worshiping, they're praising him for what he has done. Mm-hmm. And he has done so many things that we also can claim as Christians, and that, that's what John is saying. Hey, he's done all of this for you. Mm-hmm. He's done all of this so that you can now receive all that Jesus has won for you. And heaven is saying it, heaven is declaring it, and now you need to claim it. Wow. It's such a, a powerful reminder. Like, I don't worship God enough. Even as you were reading it, I don't know if it's just because I was in the zone or if it was the music while you were reading it, but I, I just felt like I wanted to praise God. Yes. Like, mm. oh my goodness, God, like you are so worthy of that praise. And I think the way that you explained that, Father Rob, was really good because um, if you just read the text, it can yes. feel really uncomfortable. And this is what you said at the start of the podcast, because it taps into the transcendental. Yes. And that can be an uncomfortable space because we don't live there often. Yes. And it can feel a bit foreign to us, but there's something about it that draws us, but it's not familiar, but it, it pulls us up into it. But it can be intimidating as well because it feels disconnected from our life. But it's good to sit in that spot. And I think the way yes. that you almost gave it words just 
um, was perfect. Like the depth of the worship and the depth of why that worship is due to God is, yeah. wow. Like, And I just, uh, I, I can't believe, like just imagine these angels that, they're watching like a, the, we talked about movies at the beginning, at the edge of their seats. It's, it's, what's happening? What's happening? Mm-hmm. They're seeing Jesus and they're crying, seeing Jesus being crucified, their God being crucified in heaven. And all of a sudden, the victory, the celebration. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. After all that pain, you know, that went on in heaven as well, not only on earth. Mm-hmm. Because no one knew the result except for the Father. I'm just excited because like it's, it's good. I, love, I love listening <laughs> to um, <laughs> haven't seen me speechless uh. um, no no I love listening to you guys speak and it's a really really great start um, as Alyssa always likes to do I'm going to take the theological um, angle of this and I do want to say that this this passage is kind of a fulfillment of something in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel and if you want to look up these verses you can it's Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 to 10 and 13 to 14. But I, mm. I'm not going to read the verses out because they're quite long, but I will give you a little bit of a summary about how this, the vision of John in Revelation is very similar to Daniel's visions um, in the Old Testament. And so both depict God seated on his throne in heaven and both have a description of God's appearance and these heavenly servants who surround the throne. And then what happens in both of these visions is, is an unlikely figure approaches God's throne and then receives divine authority. So in the book of Daniel, it's described as one like a son of man coming on the clouds who receives universal and never-ending dominion. And then in Revelation, it's the slain lamb um, who receives dominion over the over the world? So that's that's my two cents, right? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, I think it's so important. Like, I think more than ever, unpacking Revelation has shown me like you can't just read it and say, "Nah, don't get it, shut mm. it." Like now more than ever, I feel like there's so much imagery that has like allusions to Old Testament that you can unpack. That when you're reading Revelation, like it's so worth investing in like a biblical commentary. Yes. Because you miss the richness of it. Like mm-hmm. me. Like I was. Uh, you can be really stumped. So I actually really appreciate that that insight Thanks. because it's loaded yes. with goodness. And I think this is everything in context. This is what Jesus did come to do. He came to fulfill all that was promised and prophesied in the Old Testament. And this is what John is doing. He's not giving more of a revelation in a sense, but he's unpacking the revelation that was given to us by Christ, in Christ. Mm-hmm. So the fullness of the divine revelation was given to us in Christ. But what John is doing is he's saying, hey, you see, you remember all of that? You you as a Jewish people read in the Old Testament that you understood the visions of Daniel, the visions that you said. Now, this now is when it is happening. Yes. This now is how it is happening in the context of Jesus. So those visions you saw before that you, you thought in a sense were an earthly thing or were now are actually in the context of Jesus coming to life mm-hmm. and coming to fruition in heaven. So those were a prophecy, actually, of not in your time 2,000 years ago. They're a prophecy mm-hmm. of uh, this time now when Jesus was taken up into heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's putting things into uh, into perspective. Yeah, I love um th- these particular readings because I think stereotypically when I had thought about Revelation, the book of Revelations before reading this, like I feel like it's like the doom and gloom book. Mm. <laughs> and it can be quite scary. And some of the images are quite scary, but um, I just as I was preparing for this, I'm like, wow, like I will never understand heaven, but it's so nice 
not yes. just nice. That's such an understatement, but it's incredible to um, have this vision of heaven and just be reminded that that's our home. And I yes. know we've talked about this a lot, but I think I just really connected this week and thank God for that because what does it mean for us now? Two things, that if you are loving life here on earth, I'm really happy for you and that's mm. amazing. But even the greatest joy and fulfillment you experience on this earth is but a taste yes, of okay. heaven. And I got this awesome quote from St. Ignatius of Loyola and he says, how insignificant earth seems to me when I consider heaven. So even your greatest mm. moment here on earth is insignificant when you consider heaven. And the second thing is if your time here on earth is marked by suffering and, and to our listeners, maybe that's you and life is really hard for you now. And, I, and I'd, I'm not going to pretend that I understand what, what that means and the hardship you're going through. But the promise of heaven is that even your greatest suffering is but a flicker of a moment that will pass and be far exceeded by the joy and fulfillment that comes with heaven. And I found another quote that really, um, I think, spoke to that from St. Thomas More. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. There is hope, maybe not on this earth for you, um, but persevere because heaven awaits you. Heaven is your home. And there's a song about that. that when Justine brought up that quote, earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal, I couldn't help but hum that, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. And then we'll hear the original. There's rest for the rest that endures. David Crowder. Is that it? The one. <laughs> what a beautiful song. And I love mm. that point. There's Even if things are going really well, heaven's going to be better than that. And if things aren't going so well, mm. Jesus is like with you in that's it now. Right. And heaven's going to be... Mm. I'm just excited for heaven. Who's yeah. excited? I am. I'm excited mm. about heaven. But at the same time, I always have this conflict because I love my life too. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's always just... It's, it, this is a good and healthy tension, you know, yes. to have, to have uh, um, sort of... Uh, especially if your life is good or even bad, you know, you need to spend time in prayer. And this is why I think this is uh, spending your some time above with your head above the clouds in heaven, because otherwise you, you your longing for heaven goes. And once your longing for heaven goes, then it becomes very dangerous because you start to live for this world. Yes. And, and there's that scripture, don't store in your heart things of this earth, but um, the treasures of heaven. Exactly. And to be a people of worship, we need to be a people of worship. Yes. That is how we keep ourselves heavenly minded. That's how we keep ourselves ready and, and living in the, full, the fullness of life that God has given us. Yes. And how we worship, where we worship, we'll talk a little bit about this, but we need to be a people of worship, people who don't spend time only looking at our needs, but spending time giving glory, as the angels did yeah. in the scripture verse, worshiping God. Yes who God is, but also for what God has done. Are you spending time every day worshipping God? And I think stereotypically we might default to thinking that worship um, is only like singing or playing an instrument, you know, um, but it's so much more than that. And I think worship is any action or thought or word that says like, God, I put everything aside and I say that you are wonderful, you are powerful, you are worthy and you are bigger than like anything that I could ever imagine. And if that's the case, then all genuine, deep Christian prayer 
is really a participation in the worship of heaven. And mm. that for us as Catholics, definitely like the liturgy, and, and we are going to talk about that a bit more, is, is the highest form of, or is a high form of, of worship. But, um, but it's more than that. You can worship God through, um, you know, when we make him known on earth. You can worship God when you forgive. You, you worship God when you're singing out in, say, a praise and worship rally. You can worship God in the silence and stillness of reflection. That is, if, it, if it's genuine, that, that's worship. There's no yes. param- There's no, um, yeah, like have permission to worship outside of a church, outside of Sunday that one hour of mass you have we need to be a people of worship that yes. worship constantly yeah. yeah and uh, and it's one of the greatest scripture talks about that scripture talks about in worship is that all of creation worships me mm-hmm. or if you do not worship then the stones will cry out mm-hmm. and this is what it is uh, uh, th- what do we learn about worship from creation what do we learn about worship from a rock what do we learn about worship from a leaf in simply that it is doing everything that God has created it to do, mm-hmm. to a leaf turning towards the sun. You know, when there's the sun, um, a, a dog uh, in sort of obeying its instinct, uh, uh, a caterpillar doing what it was created to do. When we do these things, that is a high form of worship. It, uh, it's it's bar- uh, being obedient to our call, being obedient to what Jesus has called us to be, living our life to the fullest human beings, using our gifts, our talents, looking after our health. These are all acts of worship, as well as the spoken proclamation of God's word and singing and the liturgy, the source and summit of our faith, the greatest form of worship. Why is the Eucharist the source and summit of our faith? It's not because of the standing, sitting, kneeling. It, it's simply because... The su- Jesus is present. Mm-hmm. Is Jesus is the source and summit of our faith, and we go there to celebrate Jesus, who is objectively present through the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And so that, by far, is our greatest source of worship, yeah. Jesus. I do want to add one more point before we maybe move into our reality check, is that our liturgy on earth is meant to be like a mirror into the heavenly liturgy, which is mm-hmm. kind of the picture that we see in this passage today. So... There's a really cool quote from um, St. John Paul II and it says, The liturgy we celebrate on earth is a mysterious participation in the heavenly liturgy. And so, yeah, when we do go to Mass on the weekend, that is, or whatever day we go to Mass, that, that's the moment where heaven does touch earth. And we have so many things in our tradition that are intended to mirror heavenly worship. So things like the prayers that we have um, in the Mass, the Holy Holy, the Eucharistic Prayer, these are from biblical um, passages. From A lot of them from the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Priestly vestments, even the gestures that we do that express adoration and honour, the incense, the music, the icons, the images, all these things are, are meant to mirror what's happening in heaven. And you should check out our Mass course because we explain a lot of those <laughs> <That's> <laughs> in yes. our courses. Here's a little word from our courses. Encounter by FRG Ministry presents our online subscription package. As a member, you will receive digital on-demand access to Encounter's growing library of online courses. Encounter and Encounter Youth online courses cover teaching, devotional and practical elements of the Catholic faith to help individuals, teachers, students and parishes across the world grow in their faith and understanding of the Catholic Church and their relationship with Jesus Christ. Current titles include Knowing Mary, School of Prayer, Introduction to the Bible, The Mass and more with new courses being added regularly. 
All Encounter courses include high-definition videos with expert and engaging speakers, testimonies from everyday Catholics, and downloadable content including interactive PDF guides, prayer cards, and wallpapers. These courses are also accredited for professional development for Catholic education staff in Australia. All Encounter Youth courses include teaching videos, interactive student and teacher PDFs with lesson plans, and guided prayer and reflection. For more information about enrolment and subscription options, head to www.encountercourses.com slash subscription. Be sure to follow us on social media on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Encounter Courses. If you're looking for something else that might help you in the deeper formation and, and growing in your faith, we're actually holding an event in July called the Catholic Influencers Summit. Now you can find out all about that at our website www.catholicinfluencersummit.org There you go. <laughs> What's our topic today? Division in the church. Ooh. It's a tough topic, a topic that we can unpack a lot. There's a lot to say about it. But something I think we do need to talk about because it's there. Well, yes. never has the world, the world as a whole, been more divided politically mm. At least not in my, in my lifetime, at least not what I remember. Never has the world been more sort of at edge with each other politics, um, from the environment to policies to have bringing faith, but also the church as well. It, it, I, I mean, I see this more in America than I do see it in Australia, but it's also present here in Australia, and I'm sure the rest of the world as well, mm. where there's sort of enmity between between church and praxis, the way we practice our faith. People saying that we need to celebrate, the, especially liturgies in one way rather than another. And we're not here to say one way is right or one way is wrong, because I know I believe that we need, in a sense, we need to keep to, to the traditions of the church, and we'll talk about this, but it's about what, at the end of the day, our arguments and our aggression sometimes creates more heat than it does light. And we're called to be people who bring light in this world. And if, if y- your sort of possession, your, your, your passion to have the correct way to do things or the non-correct way to things to do br- steals your peace from you, then I question your argument from the start. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so, so much good in the church. There's so much good in, in the Catholic church and, and more broadly within Christian churches. But I think sometimes it can really, really be overshadowed by this division. And that's, it's such a shame. And there are moments where I'm so proud of my community and there are moments where I'm embarrassed. Yes. And I am ashamed. And um, yeah, that's why I think it is so important that we just talk about it, not to add fuel to a fire, but to name it and to call ourselves and perhaps even listeners lovingly to more, to draw us back to the heart of what the church is here mm. for, which is to bring other people to Jesus. Yes. That's and that's what a, we're here for. Exactly right. And I think of like, I know a lot of people who don't necessarily have a relationship with God and you know, you do your best to try and bring them to that. But then when they see this division happening inside the church, it's kind of like, I can see it from their point of view. If you guys can't even agree, like how can you expect me to come in, yeah. into this environment? Yes. Yeah. Especially like if you are someone who's been hurt by the church and family are experiencing your pain as well as yeah. you're going through mm. this. And it's not to, again, it's not about practicing in one way or another, but I think there are a couple of things that are essential when it comes to worship. 
essential when it comes to the practice of liturgy in particular. Now, here's the thing. The liturgy was never meant to be about comfort, about a dialogue with culture. Okay, So there are moments we dialogue with culture. There are moments when we have prayer meetings, Bible studies, when we have times when we... Um, we go out into the streets and we live our lives. That is about dialogue with the, with the culture. We dialogue and we evangelize. But then what we have to do is to draw people to an ideal place. And I use this, I don't use this word lightly. It's an ideal place, which is, when I say ideal, it is very rarely, if ever, reached in this life, to this place. But here's what we have to do. The liturgy should always point to the ideal and that is to God, to heaven. The book of Revelations basically is where we have to draw people in. And the, I think when there was a, a culture based around the church, it was easier in a way yeah. because there was a, a sort of a, a bowing down of culture to the church. And from even the finances that, that were used to, to build churches, for example, you walk into cathedrals and there are these huge spires and stained glass windows and I mean, I was just talking to a, a bishop, uh, I won't mention which cathedral, but they're, they're sort of, they insure their cathedral for about $600 million, wow. you know? Like, this is, it's virtually impossible to build. And that's to say, if it burned down, for us to build it exactly as it is, mm -hmm. okay? So it's just, it's not realistic to build these cathedrals as they were before, but you have these churches, these... And so the idea was that when you walked into this cathedral, you were just filled with awe. You're just thinking, oh my goodness, this is incredible. It's transcendent. Mm -hmm. Everything about it is out of this world, literally. It's like out of this world. When we walk into a church and it just reminds us of a, of a house, of a bedroom, or even a theater, then I think we're missing the point because the church needs to always remind us of something that is contrary counter to this world yes almost you feel like you're an alien in 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 on an in a new planet yeah it's interesting that you say that though because i think it almost adds to the point by presenting the contrary when i went to the philippines where there was such poverty their churches were not mm. um i don't know if opulent is the right word like i don't mean a negative overtone by using that word but they're not extravagant but the fact that people approached God, how God, how the people approached God in that church mm -hmm. was transcendental. Yes. And so it doesn't, it could be the grandest cathedral or basilica, but it could just be the most humble of places that makes do with, you know, some plastic chairs and the little that they have. And that worship um, is, is almost the, more the, transcendental, more powerful in a sense. Exactly. And so it's not a, today most of our churches are not cathedrals. Mm -hmm. And so how do we, when people walk into our churches, feel that this is something transcendent? It's the way when they walk in, there's silence, there's stillness, there's, um, there's a place of worship, there's a place of prayer, there's a place, um, even when the worship begins, it should be, in a sense, <laughs> drawing people to prayer. Yeah. And even the music they hear shouldn't, in a s sense, be about a dialogue with culture. It should be something transcendent, something bigger. It should speak the language of the culture, so I shouldn't walk in and all of a sudden think, uh, I can't pray with this, I can't think with this. Mm -hmm. But it should, at the same time, lift my heart. There's the, the yeah, just the, the psalm, I can, so Psalm 103, it says, Praise the Lord, all my, all my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. It's like I'm brought to a place of praise 
and to worship. Mm-hmm. And so this is, again, the, the role, the ideal, as I said yeah. before, of our liturgy. When yes. people walk in, they should be stepping into heaven. Yes. But the reality is it's far <laughs> from it. Yes. It's like as musicians, as singers, you're thinking, oh my goodness, they're out of tune. Yes, sometimes. <laughs> I think, uh, and this is what draws me to a little side point on that, because, look, I'm not a fan of, like, um, there's a particular church that perhaps has piano with, like, a lot of backup tracks on it. Some people might really love that, and maybe that for them glorifies God. But I think the challenge for me in that moment is not to go into this place in my head of, like, why are they playing that music? It's so wrong, and, yes. and this is not worshipping God, is for me to say, Jesus, I am here for you. And that's what they have to offer. Yes. That is mm-hmm. their life, their, but their also, worship. But also nothing to do with them. Yes. And, and yet if there is a forum to discuss, just getting to know these people and, and why that music is important to them, that's a very gentle and I think compassionate way to do it. But actually rather than defaulting, because that takes me out of worship of God. If I'm going, <clears throat> that's not right, I don't, that's not the you know correct form of you know music within the liturgy and da, da, da. I'm actually taking my eyes off God yes. and the deeper disposition of my heart has nothing to do with that music. And I know exactly. it does, but it doesn't. And it's like in my heart, um, my, my worship of God needs to be settled. It needs to be focused regardless of what's going around. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, I love all these points. It's really good. But there are a couple of things that I guess are non-negotiables mm-hmm. when it comes to the liturgy mm. and it can be so dis disheartening i know there's a lot of young people like i've got a lot of friends and it 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 hurts me to say this but we always have to have these conversations where are you going to mass like are you gonna are you gonna get a a reverent mass you know what i mean because Mm. there are some some parishes unfortunately that do things in a a bit of a questionable way yes and i think that there are um, certain things that are non-negotiable and those are usually what we call the rubrics the red letters in the missile for example, I f- let's take an extreme. I can't go to mass and use um, rice cracker instead of instead of bread and Coca Cola instead of instead of wine. Uh, though that's non-negotiable. It's actually a not valid mass if that were to mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. And so, and then there are certain things that, for example, the Eucharistic prayer should not be changed. You know, there are certain things that can be changed. The way we organize our church, the way we um, whether we use incense or not, whether we do this singing or that singing, th- those are th- that doesn't change the validity. So I think the things that are non-negotiable are the things that change the validity of the yeah. mass. Yeah. And uh, the validity is in two ways: that it's it's validity, but also licitness. And I know this is complicated, but they, it needs to be valid and licit. So valid meaning like the Coca-Cola example I gave you, but licit are things where permitted in a sense to do yeah so um yeah i do want to add something as well like just saying what you said like even if that music is not to your particular taste or and then you you bring your mind i'm here for you god a point that i think we've had this discussion before it is the same eucharist no matter where you go if it's validly if it's if it's a valid mass and so yeah it's a a bit of a reality check to kind Mm. of not go in with those eyes of judgment but yes I just want yep. to bring something that even both of you have said. Like, th- when we go into a church and there's music, okay, so the, the role of music, the role of, of, of the atmosphere, the, even the way the chairs are set, the pews and whatever, those are all important and they should be conducive to worship as to the congregation's place of worship to allow them to transcend, to, to he- head towards God. But here's one thing, like, and Justine, I think you brought that out very well. Take responsibility. Don't blame your lack of prayer on the church. Mm-hmm. 
don't blame your lack of focus on the bad singer, on, on this. Take responsibility. You can offer God worship in and amidst any place. Absolutely. And so don't stop blaming the parishes, your church or the bad readers or whatever, or the lighting on your incapacity to worship. Take responsibility. You can worship. It is up to you to worship. Yeah. And I think that there's always a fine line. Like I think um, I'm going to be really honest and I I think I've been um, a listener in conversations where um, perhaps people's desire to find a reverent mass is quite divisive. It comes from a place of church militancy, like like this is the only way and everything else is wrong and I can't believe they're doing that and I will not associate that. How dare they shame God and all of this, it's toxic. It's actually toxic and to really stop and reflect and say, like, examine your heart and examine where that's coming from and where that mindset is coming from. I've seen it in a young adult culture um, in our local area and beyond. And to be honest, they're probably the moments where I'm ashamed and I'm embarrassed. And I want to get to know that person's story as well. Like, I wonder why they're speaking like that. And I wonder why it seems so offensive. And I wonder why they're so anti and it seems like they have no interest in understanding how a different form of worship might bring other people to God. I want to try and understand that. But, um, you know, today, if we're talking about bringing glory to God, this division in the church certainly does not worship um, God and it does not bring him glory. Yeah, I might say it probably doesn't like, I think the delivery of it sometimes I can see that it comes from this, it can seem like it's this place of aggression and place of hate, but it probably comes from, well, I'm just going to say from my experience, it comes from a love of God and wanting to give God Mm. the best. And then sometimes it is hard to see things done, not in the most reverent of ways, because of course it's about Jesus and how we do things does matter, I think. Mm. Yes, yeah. and I think this is where we have to step away from mediocrity, okay? So then yeah. there is a lot of mediocrity in the church. There's a lot of, like, non-thought, and, and there's also a lot of us in the mm. church. There's a lot of the pastor in the church. There's a lot of the opinions. I think it's about, uh, me- first of all, being true to the praxis of the church, the capital T tradition of the church, but to also factoring your culture, your, your people, and how they worship. And it's not only your group and your particular um, clique of people around you, but how are you getting people to worship? And so I think, look, there's always going to be a challenge. There's always going to be division in this sense of, but God doesn't need lawyers. He doesn't need advocates. He has the Holy Spirit, okay? What he needs is witnesses, people who are ready to love him in the distortion, mm-hmm. in the, the far away from the ideal. Mm-hmm. If you have to, for example, go to Mass, to a valid Mass, but maybe not to your liking, or maybe it wasn't standard, to the standard of, of, of... And then you feel you have to go to another Mass to make up for the last Mass that wasn't, um, uh, didn't give God, in inverted commas, enough dignity, then I think the issue is more with you and your insecurities... Yeah than it is with the actual... Because God is objectively present if it is valid and licit. Yeah. Okay? So I, I think it's about uh, taking responsibility and worshipping God through that. Yes, but aim for excellence. Yes, aim for validity, absolutely, and licitness, and making sure that it is as transcendent and it, it allows us to r- reach up to God. But if don't make your worship conditional. Don't make your worship... God is 
deserves worship wherever we are. And we can, um, especially within our local communities. Mm. So we have like this. I, I'd, I'd be interested in knowing your thoughts. Um, and I know there are people here. And I just want to acknowledge this. And in no way, any form, do we want to put down any people who are not good musicians or people who no. uh, give their best? Because at the end of the day, we love that you are able to worship the Lord with what you have. And this is what it's about. And if you're in a place where you're uncomfortable in your parish, yes, seek what is best for you. Seek what is best to help you worship. I think this is important. But again, at the end of the day, it's about love, loving people, serving people, and two, taking responsibility, allowing God to give you the grace to worship where you're at. And, and God will bless you in that way. So if you'd like to tell us your thoughts on this topic, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can check us out on social media at Catholic Influences underscore Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Influences, Twitter at Cath Influences, YouTube.com forward slash FRG Ministry and all things podcast at FRG Ministry.com forward slash podcast. Ciao. Bye. 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 Bye.